DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined once again by Lincoln Kennedy, analyst for the Pac-12 Networks and Raiders radio analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Lincoln, good morning. Gentlemen, how the hell are you? <laughs> We're good. We're just wondering how you are. I was sitting next to Brent Musper while he yelled, Jackpot! So many times. This is a crazy Monday night game that looked like it was over multiple times, but it isn't over till it's over. True story. True story. You're absolutely right. And uh, it was it was funny because the the first jackpot we thought that the game ended when Brian Edwards, you know, looked like he crossed the goal line, but but you know we were trying to. I was trying to slow him down because I saw the referee going over to the monitor to check the replay. I'm like, wait a minute, this is not clear, even though the, the guys were out in the field shaking hands and everything else. So we had to play a little bit more, but you know the Raiders were able to finish it, and, and it was it was a great game. First game with fans in there, right? As far as yeah. uh, the Raiders, how was the atmosphere? Uh, electric. I mean, really, it, that's the best way to describe it. It was. It, there was a frenzy even before the game started. Um, you know, I, I think you know going into Vegas, uh, just personally speaking, a lot of people thought that you know this is going to be different. It's going to be you know how Vegas, Vegas is about glitz and entertainment. But you know to have Gladys Knight sing the national anthem, then you had Too Short and Ice Cube doing the halftime show. You had a, a host of celebrities all through the monitor every time there was a TV timeout and everything else. Uh, it was it was something to see. Uh, and, and I think the fans really enjoyed it because there, it's been, you know, I've been affiliated with the Raiders for quite some time, but never have I found an electricity quite like that was uh, on Monday night. So I'm curious, is there any uh, sense in Vegas how many of those fans were from Vegas and are now embracing the team? How many are people who flew in from Oakland because those people are hardcore and how many people drove up from LA because they still got a pretty good fan base from there from their days in the 80s and 90s well the Raider Nation has always been well traveled it doesn't it doesn't matter where you are I remember when playing my playing days didn't matter where we went um, there was always a good uh, foundation of fans that were going to support and go and travel with the team so it's anyone's guess where they all came from but the, the fact is is that they showed up the Raiders now have a true home in Allegiant Stadium, and I think the fans that showed that that were there really appreciated the fact that this was the Raiders' home. More importantly, the way it showed on TV, I know there are a lot of people who were mad that they missed it. I was really impressed with this the ability to come back because it looked like they had the potential to get the game get away from them. Yeah, because it looked like it was all about Baltimore early, obviously, and then we know what happened. I'm wondering as I watch Carr, it seems to me, and you would know much better, that he has the potential to be an elite quarterback in this league. What would you say to that? I think he's always had that potential. It's just his discretion and his decision making. One of the things that stood out to me about Carr in that, in that last performance on Monday night is the fact that 19 times he tried to go to Darren Waller, and he completed 10 of the passes. Um, it, it seemed almost forced. It wasn't until the second half to where I think things settled down. And, look, I've been one of those guys who's all along said, I think everyone needs a preseason for nothing more than timing and just getting into a, a, a sort of a groove on how the game day works. Um, there were a lot of timing passes that, that Carr missed 
Um, uh, and he settled down in the second half and made a lot of completions, a lot more completions than he did in the first half. But uh, I think the, the, the possibility of being, quote-unquote, elite has always been a part of him because he's a, he's a quarterback that's capable of making all the throws. I just don't know when he gets later in the season if – He's not so predictable and 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 so you know so well read that that he can't separate himself from everyone else. So what happened? I always think of the Ravens, whether their defense is good or great, it never seems to be worse than good. Mm-hmm. And suddenly in the fourth quarter, the Raiders are shedding it. I mean, they're they're down. They needed three separate scores in the fourth quarter. They're behind yeah. three times, and they got all three to get to OT. What did they do? What what changed everything? Turnovers. The the Ravens had turnovers. Um, Lamar Jackson fumbled the ball a couple times, most notably in uh, in, in overtime uh, when they got the ball back after the interception. Look, the the, the thing is that the, I think the Raiders were fortunate to win this football game, um, but they they got a little bit of a hint to what's going to go on this season. Teams are going to walk into the Raiders or play the Raiders noting, noting that they want to take Darren Waller out of the equation. Derek Carr has to recognize that. You can't force the ball to a guy who's being double-covered. You've got to go somewhere else. And it wasn't until he started going other places to where the, open, the offense actually opened up. Um, and they were fortunate enough to have time to do that. More importantly, with the turnovers and the miscues by, by Lamar Jackson, um, he played right into their hands being very careless and loose with the ball allowed the Raiders to stay into it and most notably after the interception on the uh, on the goal line in overtime and when the the Ravens had the ball you know to to miscalculate a blitz or adjusting the, the formation of the blitz, you let a defensive end come free off the right side. Carl Nassib, that's who calls the, uh, the, the fumble on Lamar Jackson, being careless with the football. That's what led to the, uh, to the demise of the Ravens. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, Jackson, uh, MVP, electric, and all that. But does he got what it takes through the throw, and that's Kyle Whittingham would say, the throw game for him to take that next step? He does. They they have to have a run game. Unfortunately, they've been hampered by injuries. We saw yeah. some flashes out of Tyson Williams um, um, over the, the, the you know Monday night. He was able to come through. I think Latavius Murray was was a great addition for him. But Latavius still has to learn the the offense um, as well as any other running backs they want to have back there. But they have to have a running game. They have to be balanced. Um, they don't have enough on the receiver side to really open things up other than Marquise Brown. And when you look at uh, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, um, there are still some times he struggles with his reads and struggles with reading defenses. Um, but the fact is, is that he's such an electric player. He can do things on his legs. I think he wants to show this season what I got from him in one game is that he wants to show that he can do it with his arm. And I think that's a mistake. You have to be balanced. Take what the defense gives you. And more importantly, when they, when they open up uh, holes for you to run, use it. The NFL season is longer than ever now with 17 games, so there's yeah. plenty of time to get off to a good start and wreck it. There's plenty of time to get off to a bad start and rally and save it. But the division did go 4-0. Any surprises in the AFC West, or you saw it all coming? No, I, you know what? I, I said all along when they, were, when they were talking about the overall competition for the, the, the division, that we know what you're going to get out of Kansas City. That's already been established over the last couple of years. I think the Chargers are on the rise. Obviously, now they've got a quarterback. They just mismanaged some games, you know, collectively last season, which I thought they would have a better record. Uh, and then Denver eventually is going to figure it out. 
they had too many good pieces not to figure it out, but they're going to figure it out. And, and whether it's with, you know, Teddy Bridgewater or they decide to go somewhere else, Denver is always going to be competitive. So it's going to be a competitive division. And that's why when people were talking about the over and under for the Raiders, I said, look, with the schedule they have, playing the, uh, the AFC uh, East uh, and then um, and as well as play, or North, I should say, as well as playing the NFC East, um, it, it, there's it's going to be a very tough, difficult schedule. And the Raiders, you know, look, were very scarred from Monday night. They were able to come with the win, but yesterday, guys, they had 17 yeah. guys on the injured list, uh, and, and three guys were, uh, two guys were lost for the season: Denzel Good and Gerald McCoy. Uh, so it was a very hard price to pay for the win on Monday night. You have been consistent on your thoughts on the preseason. And we've seen uh, Aaron Rodgers basically take the whole year off, nothing yeah. that he did in the off season, and then he goes out and stinks. You draw a direct correlation there. Yes, I do. I do. You know, look, understanding and uh, understanding situations, scenarios is one thing, and I think pros and veterans like Aaron Rodgers can do that. But there's a timing that's that that comes with the game and a game feel. There's there's. There's a rhythm that you get in. There's a certain type of energy that you exude when you're playing actually a football game rather than going through practice. Practice, you're just trying to get through it. Your brother-in-law and across the board. I remember as an offensive lineman that I would never try to take out my my frustrations and my aggressions on my teammates. You know, the, the, the practice. I didn't want to hurt anybody. But when you come to a game, I, I, I saw red. You had a different colored helmet on. I was trying to take your head off. I was trying to decapitate you. That's a different energy. Even if it was even the preseason. Even if I was only playing two series, it's still the energy that's that's there. Um, the reason why I think preseason is necessary is because there's a rhythm that you get in when you go through a game time situation. Everything from the setup to the pregame to the introduction, everything, the game time, managing your energy, everything, that's all different. That can only be displayed in practice when you do it. Preseason to me is essential for everyone. And you don't have to have a lot of it. But you still have to have the essential of building up and working towards that. And I think you saw Derek Carr was, it was the main example. But you guys mentioned Aaron Rodgers. The timing was off. The timing with his receivers on crossing routes, that takes time. I mean, that, that, that takes doing. You have to do it full speed, not just practice. That takes you doing. Now, so when you, when you talk about preseason, from everyone, from offensive line, the quarterbacks, everyone across the board, everyone needs to see some snaps to get into a rhythm and understand that lather of what it, what it means to be in a game day situation. Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Raiders radio analyst and Pac-12 network analyst. So the Pac-12 South, we had it all figured out, except USC's lost their head coach, ASU's <laughs> lost three assistant coaches, USC or Utah's lost a game to a rival, USC's lost a conference game, and UCLA took down LSU. How much are you rethinking what you thought about the Pac-12 South? How much do you still believe what you thought about the Pac-12 South? You know what? It's 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 anyone's guess where the Pac-12 collectively, as a whole. I mean, my 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 alma mater started this is all in two. Um, you know, going into last weekend, I remember sharing the, the information with Greg Heiser because we did the Wazoo Portland State game on the Pac-12 Network that. You know, after Oregon beat Ohio State, it, it could very well be a great day because Colorado led Texas A&M, so on and so forth. Um, but as we sit right now, I, I think that it's really unfortunate because, it, it, you know, SC is trying to make its mind of where they're going to go. 
And there's been several rumors out there about different coaches' possibilities from Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of Kansas City Chiefs, to other people, so on and so forth. SC has to make a splash because SC is that big and that grand of a program. Um, it's great for UCLA to take down LSU. It's great for the Pac-12 to show that they can beat an SEC uh, school uh, when that hasn't happened in quite some time in the past. Um, but at the same point, the big markers for the Pac-12 aren't doing so well. And um, that includes SC as well as UW. Um, it's going to be anyone's guess on how they finish. But, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of football to be played. We'll see what SC figures out or where they go from there. But I think SC has to make a splash with the namesake because SC is SC. But I just don't know where you go. Urban Meyer's not going to leave the, lane, the game, uh, leave Jacksonville. Um, and it would cost too much to try to get him out. I, don't, I still don't think he's going. So I, I just don't know where SC goes to make that splash. So you got that Washington connection as being one of their more uh, famous alums as a football player up there. I, I'm thinking maybe you have some inside information. I'm thinking Chris Peterson. I mean, this dude is really good, and he's only 56 years old. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. I talked to Coach Peterson when he first left, and um, he said that he was just worn out. He was worn out of everything that goes on, the rigors of college football. And I can understand that. And, and there's usually, look, when, it, when it's in your blood, it's in your blood, just like Urban Meyer, eventually you come back. I just don't know if, if uh, you know, Jennifer Cohen, the athletic director of UW, can do enough to cite him to get back. Um, uh, and I don't know if he wants to come back. Right. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's a very cushy job sitting in the studio on Fox Sports, guys, talking about <laughs> football when you just, get, just sit there in the green room all day and watch it. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> Trust me, I know. So I don't know if he wants to come back. I think SC is an even more enticing job, though, with name, image, and likeness. There's no cheating anymore. It's go time. <laughs> you can cheating. make this happen. There's always cheating. Okay, there is always cheating. There could be academic fraud, so that hasn't changed a bit. That's still right. over there. But as far as some rich USC booster in Orange County or Hollywood or whatever, hooking up a player, go get him, Tiger. Yeah, that's NIL. NIL is best. I mean, it, you, you, look at, you look at college football as a whole – there's amateur free agency with the transfer reporter, and there's NIL. And unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of universities around the country who want to sit back on their laurels and say, you know what, we offer a high education or we offer this or that. We don't need to compete but, or, or try to get involved in stuff like NIL and paying students or paying athletes um, uh, that money. But the truth of the matter is that if you don't, you're missing the pot. I mean, you really are. You, you're, really, you're missing the boat. The fact is is that if you don't, other places are, and they're playing well. And so all of a sudden that becomes a factor in recruiting. That becomes a factor in, uh, for players' decision-making. And, and next thing you know, you've got school, one school who's loaded way more up on a talent level than others ones around them. So a week ago, Lincoln, I was ready to bench Anthony Brown. Shows you how much I know. Now I think he's a favorite to win the Heisman. Anthony Brown, really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding on the ladder. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding on the ladder, but I, I just did not expect them to go into Columbus and win. And he looked great, and they won. Yeah, you know what? I will say this: um, Anthony Brown, in the first two games, hasn't looked as solid as I think you need for a championship-caliber quarterback. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, getting them in the college football playoff and really making a, a, a stay. But the run game has, 
and Oregon needs to understand that. Um, Anthony Brown needs to understand uh, has to have more trust in his offensive line, which I think will come. And more importantly, he needs to stop you know deciding to run so much because I think he's going to be beat up throughout the season. He's taken some really big hits the first couple of games I watched. So um, uh, you know, to me, it's it's like he's got to have more confidence in his offensive line, more confidence in his receivers, find ways to throw the ball instead of throwing you know a little check down or short routes, be able to stretch the field. But more importantly, utilize that run game. And I think Oregon's best aspect is that run game. I think they'll get to it. I think Mario Cristobal and his staff have learned any, something after the first two games. They'll try to put all the illness on their quarterback. Let's use this run game. And, of course, they had a big time uh, one in, in Ohio State with running the football. We will leave it right there, Lincoln. We appreciate the time as always, and we will talk to you again next week. Always a pleasure, guys. You be well. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network Analyst, Raider Radio Analyst, joining us every week here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Matt Ortiz, co-host of the Sons of Montezuma podcast covering San Diego State football, will join us at 9.05 to talk Aztecs and Utes. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Question of the day. Well, look who responded, PK. Oh, my. They're all listening. We will get to that next. A reminder, join Hans and Scotty at University Federal Credit Union's grand opening of their Lehigh Meadowbrook branch Monday the 20th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 101 North, 1200 East in Lehigh.